podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Five Plan Podcast. Wee! Pod four four two. Uh, with an actual game to review. Football's actually back, and we can actually talk about a game that happened. Yes, Palace lost two one to Chelsea, but it doesn't matter. It's actual football that we can talk about. I'm delighted to talk through that game with me. I have Jack Pierce. Jack, hello. We've got football to talk about. Uh, it's amazing. I- I'm absolutely buzzing to talk about a football match. Although I would have preferred a different outcome, but yeah, lovely to have an actual match to talk about. Thanks for having me on. Oh, well, you're welcome. And I don't even know if we remembered how to do it, but we'll try. Uh, also here, Joe Walker. Joe, how are you doing? Good. and um, Yeah, back, good to be back in the swing of things football-wise. Um, I still prefer that way to spend a Saturday than perhaps the, the previous. But uh, that's, yeah, that's no mark on you or the, or the team. That was, that was the best part of the day. But, you know uh, what? We, yeah, so we did, we did the Palace for Life Marathon. Joe joined the FYP team. Last, yeah, last Saturday, wasn't it? Um, we've had a, a question from one of our regulars about that. Magic CPFC. Hey, Hello, Magic. Magic. Uh, it says, welcome back, gang. Uh, what a sick, they're late on Saturday, but who out of the panel predicted exactly the, that outcome? Oh, I don't know. Did one of us do that, Jack? I can't. But don't, I don't think sure we, we even previewed the game. Chelsea game. <laughs> no. So, uh, no, Magic, no one did. Um, he's put, well done on the Marathon March to cue the plug to donate. Yes, actually, we are still taking donations. We've so far raised £2,700, which is amazing. Thank you to everyone that's donated. And I think that uh, overall, they've raised the foundation now £75,000, £73,000, £74,000, which is amazing. Excellent. If you'd still like to donate, uh, you can at justgiving.com slash fundraising slash, and here's the catchy bit, FYP Marathon March 2022. I'll put a link in the show notes because um, it's a bit easier probably than uh, trying to remember that. Um, Joe, how was it? I mean, was, was it everything you, you you hoped it would be? Yeah, I, I was in some respects um, surprised at how I managed to get through it. But then I did, uh, that. all thanks to Streety and his uh, ibuprofen secret recipe really got, got me over the line. At least I thought it was ibuprofen. It might have been something else that made it that easy. Um, but... The aftermath, I thought I was okay. And then I I pretty much have an extra toe at the moment. It's been a week. And the bl- uh, one of my blisters is refusing to, it won't go quietly. And um, it's it's been quite difficult to navigate and walk even now. But a uh, small price to pay. When yeah. hearing, that, hearing that fundraiser number, I'm happy enough. You were next to me when I realized I've been wearing the wrong trainers for 20 miles. 
and yeah. changed into my old trainers, which was much better. But by then, I had literally four blisters, which are all still here as well with me. So I've got four new children. Um, so, yes, but as you say, small price to pay and a wonderful day, as ever organised by the Palace Fly Foundation and lots of money raised as well. So if you do still feel like donating, you can at the link below uh, in the show notes. Um, shall we do a shout out to a random patron? Yes. Yeah. Drum roll, please. It's Mr. William Gascoigne. Hey, William Gascoigne. Hi, William. Thanks for joining. Very recent joinee. Uh, thank you so much for joining, uh, William. And you can join our patron like he did and get loads of rewards, including post-match podcasts, uh, which we did at, at Sellers at the weekend after the Chelsea game. Uh, patron-only merchandise and access to the patron-only Discord club at patron.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast. Uh, don't forget, all patrons get immediate 20% off our line of merchandise at podcastmerch.co.uk slash F-Y-P hyphen podcast. Uh, so do check that out out uh jd before we move on can we give tony a plug as well for him and a, and a congratulations for climbing the mountains of america or whatever absolutely. he was up to. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes tony fletcher who was on last week as well who basically did the marathon march like we did but just the hardcore version yeah. uh through the hills of hardcore. the cat skills hardcore yeah exactly uh so fair play to him yes he did it i think he did it in something like eight and a half hours which is mad considering it took us 10 Ten. hours, Joe, I think. And we, <laughs> did it. Uh, we didn't climb any of the mountains. We didn't even do the hills of south of Crystal Palace because um, they changed the route from last year. No, well done, Tony. Um, absolutely massive um, congratulations for everyone at FYP. Brilliant effort. Um, guys, before we get on uh, with the pod, this week's sponsor, I'm delighted they're back. Um, first of all, I mean, first, what's the best thing about Christmas? I mean, I'm sure you've all got your own. Uh, well, let's go. Oh, Jack, what's the best thing about Christmas for you? Or on the spot, a fa- family. If they're listening, fa- time with the family. Time with the family. If they're listening, they don't, they don't listen. They don't listen. So the the proper answer is football. Joe. Oh, it's uh, Christmas dinner. I think that that that's that's pretty good. Yeah, well said. I'm glad you said that because for me, it's cheese boards. Of course, it is Christmas oh, yeah. cheese boards, and you can enjoy the festive cheese. The first okay. of any guys to strap in. Uh, thanks to our favourite. South Norwood cheese and wine shop, Little Mouse. Uh, and they have a special offer for FYP listeners. Uh, tis the cheesen to be jolly. What do we think of that? I mean, no, I just, just stop looking at us every time you do it. It's going to be easier for all soul <laughs> if you just like get on with it. But hold for applause every time. Yeah. You, you have to. You have to. Some yeah. listeners might like it. Yeah, they might do. Um, <laughs> and uh, Little Mouse have just opened up their immensely popular Christmas cheese pre-orders featuring a selection of specially curated artisan British cheese selections for collection or delivery in time for the big day. Uh, perfect for eating once you've opened your presents under the Christmas brie. Um, they also have yeah they also have port uh, English sparkling wine gift cards and everything you'll need for a superb Christmas celebrating the birth of Jesus that's four thank you <laughs> situated at 212A Selhurst Road that's 30 seconds from Norwood Junction Station they're offering a special deal especially for FYP listeners you can get 10% off your Christmas cheese and port just go to littlemousecheese.com slash Christmas to order and use the code FYP before the end of October to get 10% off. That's littlemousecheese.com slash Christmas and enter the code FYP. And just like last time they sponsored us, Jack, I thought I would also chuck in some palace cheese puns. I'm going to revisit this at the start of each pod and uh, each part. And I know you've got pod? as well. Each pod. <laughs> start of each part of this, uh, of this pod. And I know you've got a few, but for now, I'm going to offer you both Czech Gudakore. Okay. I mean, it's a start. It's, it's a, a start, start, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, technically, I, it is a start. It yes. is a start. I've tried to think, have I got one? Cheddarson voice? Does that work? 
I mean, it's it's an improvement. It's an improvement. It's <laughs> okay. an improvement. Yeah, okay. um, I might this week as well uh, to match up little mouse sponsoring us. Um, I might start re restart up. We've done it before. The hashtag CPSC Cheese Eleven hashtag. So do it. Look, have a look on Twitter, and people can send us their suggestions, uh, and we'll retweet them throughout the week. Um, great to have little mouse on board. Uh, let's start then with uh, well, Joe two one defeat to Chelsea at Selhurst. Can you guess what's top of my list for talking points for this game? I'm going to say the handball rather than the Connor goal. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about that handball. Let's talk about the handball. Lots and lots of questions. Uh, to be honest, they're all sort of asking the same question. Uh, well, in fact, so Ben Agbaimoni has just put... Hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. VAR! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. We'll come on to those comments in a minute. But uh, what did you make of it, Joe? What did you make of it? <laughs> a question without a question mark. I yeah. Yes. I mean, some of the some of the ones here about uh, Muncher, Muncher 16... Muncher 1967. Okay, God. <laughs> <laughs> make of that what you will. How biased are the officials towards the so-called top six? Just want to point out that's Muncher's... Uh, opinion not mine. Uh, Mark Drew, three. The Premier League is corrupt oh. and favours the big money clubs. Oh, it's if roles are wild people, we isn't are. it? We're hot. going in. We're going it's, in. It's oh, live. The thing, <laughs> the thing is, Joe, you can see why. I mean, you know, we're all riled by it and you can see why because, and, and actually, you know, I, I'm not obviously for legal purposes, we're not saying the Premier League is corrupt at all, but I kind of felt if it was the other way around, it might have been a different decision. Yeah, and, you know, you, you could see it had a, it had a direct effect on not just the the rest of the game, but the ultimately the result. I mean, even it wasn't even but for a centre back to then get an assist later on. <laughs> it was a bit of a kick in the teeth. It's cruel. Um, yeah. It's interesting. So the, on on the we're recording this Tuesday night, um, and early on in the day, Jack Sorix. I know I saw him comment on it. It's an anniversary today of when Palace beat Fulham on a Monday night in yeah. the 0405 season, which is our, yeah. I think our first win that season. 18 and, years ago, Joe. 18 oh, don't, years don't ago, say mate. that bit out loud. And uh, Ian Pearce gets sent off for Fulham inside the first 10 minutes for a foul in the exact same position on the pitch. Blade, same blade of grass. Unbelievable. Same blade of grass. Straight red. No complaints from Pearce. No complaints from the Fulham players. No complaints from the manager. And I just thought, nothing has changed that much, surely, where... Pretty much the same incidents. In fact, I'd even argue there were more Fulham players covering Pierce in the situation. Agreed. And it was still a straight red, no complaints, and everyone went on their way. I don't. I know that pundits have spoken about on TV. I I think if that the on Saturday, if a red was given to Silver there, VAR would not ask them to take another look at the monitor, and I don't think anyone would have complained. I don't think Mm. Graham Potter. No. You know, managers tend to try and be partisan or you know to try to have some form of club bias in the post-match that's as diplomatic and honest as you'll get an answer from a opposing manager I think Graham Potter said he's you know he's been on the wrong side of that he's been has been very unlucky there. He, he called it a 50-50 yeah which given it's an opposition manager is more like a 90-10. <laughs> yes um I just find you know I sometimes understand when a ref isn't brave enough in that decision, they might think a defender's covering in time. Because, you know, if they're blowing in real time, by the time they look across to see the rest of the back four, they're probably still running to make it look like they were there. But for VAR to not even say, just go on, just have a look. It's a huge decision yeah. in the game. We're one up at that point as well. I just, ah, oh, it's just so, so dispiriting. And it, for, it, for it to then uh, affect the game so much beyond that, it, 
it's it's hard not to be spirit breaking actually yeah and you're right about uh, uh so not only does the offender though set up the goal in doing so he injures, <laughs> yes. injures our right back. oh gosh yeah possibly end climb season possibly ends our right back season oh, albeit albeit accidentally and um and yeah, and as you say, the course of the game has changed. Um, Jack, I think the official reasoning from the PGMOL was that IU was uh, heading away from goal, which is what not made he it. Would have been heading story. away from goal because the opposition player has punched the ball <laughs> towards the touchline. I mean, the the rationale provided by the PGMOL was as embarrassing as the decision was. I thought I, I cannot believe. Uh, sorry, JD, I completely interrupted your question there, but I'm. I'm hot on this one. This is go, this go, go. really annoyed me. I, I just found the the initial decision to be a little bit cautious from Kavanaugh. He was very quick to get the yellow out. Mm. Um, I, I know they've got comms and they're talking, but for, surely he should have asked his assistant, where is Ben Chilwell? I suspected at the time he's given a yellow because he thinks Ben Chilwell is covering. And at the time I thought that must be the reason why yep. he has not been dismissed. But VAR are going to have a look at it. And then you hear that kind of scary doomsday music that comes up, comes around <laughs> the ground. And you think, okay, here, here we go. The VAR's going to make it very clear to Chris Kavanagh that it is a red, or to go and have a look and, and make a, a decision based on the on the footage available. If you see the still of, of the time when, when Tiago's on the floor, Ben Chilwell is between 10 and 15 mm. yards away. That's the first thing to consider. The second thing to consider, he's facing the opposite direction. So it's not as quick for him just to turn around or for him just to run towards Ayu. He's got to turn on himself and get back. I, I just can't see how that decision is not a red card. And um, I, I think Palace were were very harshly done by there because that is about as cynical as it gets. Um, and for Chris Kavanagh to cautiously give a yellow card, I somewhat understand. I think particularly with, with the mindset that referees may have now in that if it is an obvious red, I will be told. Um, but for the uh, VAR, who I think was Stuart Atwell on the day, to look at the available footage and to to not indicate that that is a a red card, then then I think every single Palace's fan, un- every single Palace fan, understanding of what a clear and obvious opportunity is 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 mistaken because that to me and everyone around me and everyone that I've spoken to since saw that as a, as a very clear. It's got to remember it's an opportunity. It's not necessarily really, is he going to take it. Mm. I think as you guys said on the post match pod, it's Jordan Ayew. There's a chance that he may not take it. But it's the opportunity, chance. strong chance, but it's the opportunity that Thiago Silva has yeah. very cynically prevented from happening. Um, and I think Ian Wright and, and Alan Jura on match of the day were absolutely spot on when they said, in their experience as players, are you, even though Thiago Silva has pushed the ball away, are you is literally one touch away from putting it back on course and being yeah. away? And he's, he's a one on one with the goalkeeper. So, unbelievable decision. Um, I thought that kind of ruined Chris Kavanagh's afternoon as well. I thought he was. He was poor from that moment on. And I'm happy to talk about that if you want me to as well. Well, I'm surprised you've taken so long to mention Chris Kavanagh's name. And we do actually have a question about that. So I'll come to you in a minute um, for that. Joe, it's really interesting you bring up the the Ian Pearce uh, thing. Because I, uh, as far as I'm aware, there's been lots of changes to the rules over the last 18 years. Actually, I don't think there's been any changes when it comes to that particular area of the rule in terms of professional fouls and cost opportunities. And someone made the point, and I apologise to whoever this is. I can't remember who it was whether it was one of the FYP team or someone on Twitter, that had he been going through, he'd robbed him, gone through, and Thiago had pulled his shirt back, I would have been a straight red, surely. And maybe it's just the act, maybe it's because it's the handball and he's sort of fallen on it and, I don't know. I'm clutching at straws here, Joe, aren't I? Yeah, I, I mean, the, so because he does handle it twice. I, I'm willing to concede that the first handling is an accident. It's happening in its fall. And I don't know whether they've considered that into the thinking of, oh, the second time, therefore, it's hit his arm. 
is, you know, it's just also part of the fall, but, you know, he, he only so he's not fully in control of what he's doing. But that second one is so yeah. cynically and so blatant. If anything, in terms of the rules changing, I think there's, there was a clarification about, I think it was something that would make it more, so that I remember they, the idea of the last man was, they wanted to stamp that definition out. So I don't think that was ever, it's mentioned in the commentary of that game. Yeah, it was the double jeopardy issue, wasn't it? They, yeah. they, particularly with penalties. Yeah. You, you'll often see a player get a yellow card now that you would have previously seen with a, with a red. Sorry, Joe. Yeah, sorry. but it's, it's that, the definition is very much like denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. And um, another example I can think of, in that same, oh no, the first season back up this time, I believe we were at home to Arsenal early on and Shamak broke yeah. past, it might have been Mikel Arteta it was, actually. It was, um, it was the slowest foot race I think I've ever yeah. seen at Selhurst. <laughs> it was 40 yards from goal. Yeah. Shamak was not getting to the six yard box, but he was pulled back and it was a straight red. Because, and Arteta walked. And Arteta, Arteta walked. And Arteta walked. No complaints because ultimately it doesn't matter who the players are in that context, you are, you know, you are denying a goal scoring opportunity there. And that's further out. So it's not even a case of distance. I think that's an issue either. It, it's just a lack of bravery really, or a, a sensible assessment of the situation. And then really, as, as has been touched on already, I think the way the PGMOL and Dermot Gallagher on, on, on the TV coverage, just closing ranks really. I just, yeah, I yeah. just found it's a bit really embarrassing actually. Do you know yeah. the biggest indicator that that should have been a red card is that Jamie O'Hara thinks it, was the right decision. So yeah. <laughs> I think I think if that's anything to go by, then uh, Thiago is a very lucky man. The the idea of like going away from goal, like if he'd been on the six yard box or like in line with the six yard box in the penalty area or something, and he's like going away from goal there, you think fair enough because the pitch is running, ironically like Jota uh, in the Liverpool game, which <laughs> yeah, also yeah. didn't go our way. And um, then you think fair enough, but surely the angle of going towards goal gets wider as the pitch gets longer. So surely he's still in the remit of. I mean, I'm getting so technical now. I mean, we're 17 minutes in, we're still talking about the same position, but that's what we do on this podcast. Um, Jack, let's give you a chance to hammer Chris Kavanagh then, because I'm, I'm, I'm really desperate to do that. Um, Big Al Palace. Hey, Big Al. Says, uh, hi, Big Al. Chris Kavanagh, fit to referee in any league, let alone the Premier League? Discuss. Or maybe this would need a pod of its own, along with the other referees and VAR, in brackets, very awful replays, uh, which do not help the officials, or do they choose to ignore it? I mean, yeah, we, could almost, I mean, we could almost do a spin-off episode. JD, that's the series I've asked you if I can do, and you keep yeah. saying no. Uh, yeah. well, I'm, I'm willing to reconsider it. <laughs> I just thought Chris Kavanagh, I mean, I, I just said it was the decision kind of ruined his afternoon. Even before that decision, I found some of his just general manner around the pitch a bit bizarre. Um, but in terms of his decision-making, and it wasn't helped by his two assistants, particularly the one uh, nearest the tunnel and on the dugout side in the second half. But... Just his general manner. He's not the first referee that I've seen do this, either at Selhurst or any other league in the ground. But the way in which he expressed himself with Palace players was completely different to the way he was addressing Chelsea players. And I, I, I just looked at that and I thought, it's just not, it's just not fair in, in that in itself. Then you add on top the, the actual decision making that that I guess was instigated by the by the um, the, red, the non red card. Um, and then into the second half, I mean, just some of the fouls that weren't given against Wilf, against Elise, mm. two in a very quick uh, spell in the second half, I think probably heading into the last 10 minutes, short free kick um, where Elise just, you know, knocks it down the line to Wilf. Wilf, I, th- I think, just just beats Kovacic, I think it was, um, with the eyes and, and puts it down the line. And Kovacic just knees him in the, in the thigh and, and Wilf is very clearly taken out. 
nothing. Jabal just rolls out for a goal kick. And that, to me, was about as obvious a foul as, as you will see in the Premier League this season. And I think, one, Chris Cavanagh's probably relying on his assistant to give it. His assistant hasn't given it. And then they've just realised, well, time's run out. We've basically just got to let the, the game go. That's one. But for the same thing, effectively, to happen within five, ten minutes of Elise being sandwiched between two Chelsea players, again, I think one of them was Kovacic, and, and nothing be given, again, in front of the same assistant, it just it just stinks of negligence. It just stinks of absolute ineptitude. And, you know, this is this is an important game for Palace. You know, we're, we're now very close to, to the relegation zone. I'm not particularly worried about relegation, but in terms of the mindset, the, these decisions matter. Yeah. These are important game-changing, season-changing moments. And I, I just think, particularly when we play a, a club with a bigger profile, um, we are often treated as the, the second-class club in that fixture. And, and Saturday was a real example of that. And, and Chris Kavanagh, I'm actually surprised has been given another game this week. And I think he's got the West Ham Fulham game on Sunday, but um, I, I, I don't take any solace in if he was told off by his assessor for, for his management of the game. But then again, as, as Joe says, everyone closes in on, on the ranks and, and it's, it's quite possible that he got into his dressing room and the assessor came in and said, well done, Chris. But from, from my perspective, he was bang average on Saturday. I was stunned in the post-match. So I'm quite bad at remembering particularly some of the later generations of referees' names. And his is not... I mean, it hadn't particularly rung a bell for a while. I was, But his the whole performance struck me as quite inexperienced. So I was stunned when it was mentioned in the post-match that I think he refereed his first Premier League game in 2017. He's been around like, for a while. He's been around. And it just like... He's on the FIFA list. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. I think he's a VAR official for this year's World Cup. I, mean, I think oh he's word. involved in the showpiece. Well, the whole World Cup's a shambles anyway. So that, 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 that ties yeah. In. yeah, that's hardly the worst thing to do with this World Cup, to be fair. <laughs> but um, yeah, in terms of where he sits amongst kind of the refereeing fraternity, it just indicates that there really is a bit of a dearth when it comes to, to refereeing talent in this country. Um, if I could round off part one really quickly, though, by offering a little bit of balance, because Palace 12... Hello, Palace 12. Hello, Palace 12. Uh, on Instagram points out, are people forgetting the woeful VAR decision a few weeks ago back at Newcastle that earned point. us a point on the road? Yeah. It swings and roundabouts with VAR. How have we got to just accept these dodgy decisions? Uh, that, that did go in our favour, um, Jack. Maybe I, I completely get your point about the, the way he was treating Chelsea. And in a way, if you're going down that line, that makes us a big club against Newcastle, which I don't think was the case at all. But uh, yeah, it is, <laughs> They'd it love is, that. Put that on the socials and tag their fans. They would love that. that. (laughs) Big club bias yet again. Um, I I mean, I do kind of get where Palace 12 is coming from this, but it doesn't doesn't absolve the decision on the day. It was still a bad decision from the officials. It's a fair point. I would suggest, from my perspective, it's different in the sense that that was a goal that was disallowed, whereas I think the red card in the 36th minute of, uh, you know, one of the opponents would have probably had a, a bigger bearing on the outcome than that decision the Newcastle game had. But I, I do take that point on board. I think the wider point, though, about VAR, we've just got to kind of accept it. The point of VAR and the introduction of VAR was to, to remove this prospect of incorrect decisions going unaddressed. And I just find that we're still talking about decisions not being rectified when when they really have got the best opportunity in the game's history to, to be rectified. If we're going to have this intrusion of, of video officiating, then surely it needs to be effective. Maybe Saturday's still a bit too close and I'm not looking at it particularly objectively, but 
I, I just found that use of VAR. If it's gone to VAR and all the drama's happening in terms of the music and the, the screen changing, then then what are we doing in terms of the decision not being overturned? It just seems bizarre. Then you can go into the kind of granular detail of was it clear and obvious? To everyone that's seen it since, it was. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we do seem to end up talking about VAR most weeks on this podcast as well, So, which I guess is an indication in itself that things are still not right. Uh, but what else will we talk about? You know, there is that. Um, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, and we've got loads more to talk about, um, we're going to pick our winners and losers. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. 
My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Party Plan Podcast. Sponsored this week by Little Mouse Cheese and Wine Shop in South Norwood, who are offering a 10% off their Christmas cheese pre-orders. Just go to littlemousecheese.com slash Christmas and use the code FYP before the end of October to get 10% off your Christmas cheese and port. Uh, Here's another Palace Cheese pun. Ready, guys? Go on, go on. Yeah. Everette Cheesy? I'm I'm with it. It raises the bar. Oh, I'm really? gonna hope, uh, yeah, I'm going to hopefully raise you with this one. Jean-Philippe Maffetta. Much better. better. Much better. Much better. Much better. <laughs> much better. Tweet us yours at FYP Fanzine and use the hashtag, hashtag CPSCCheese11 and we'll get some cheese puns going yeah. this week while we order our cheeses from uh, Little Mouse. Uh, right, it's time for our winners and losers. This is a patron-only section, so if you're going to... Uh, if you're on the patron feed, you'll hear it right now. Uh, if you're not, you're going to hear a clip from the post-match pod from the weekend, uh, which you can get in full every week by joining our patron and our winners and losers on the main pod at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash FYP podcast. Uh, right, let's make the split now. Just a bit disappointing, the, the way it ended, really. Conor Gallagher with the inevitable goal. Um, how did that make you feel, John? I prefer not to say how it made me feel, actually, but you almost felt it was written in the stars it would be Gallagher who scored the, uh, the winner. Um, and I must say, it was, a, it was a very good strike, but he was a bit, little bit lucky the way it fell to him, but yeah. he took it well. So, um, good luck to him, yes, but it hurts. He, uh, in fairness to him, he did the nice celebration thing. And he also afterwards uh, raised his hands to the, the Homesdale as a kind of in an apologetic way to say I, that this is his job. That's, you know, he had to do what he has to do. Um, I've, I, my opinion of him is that I, I, now that he's back at Chelsea, I just really hope that he can make, make a go of it at that club and that they give him an opportunity and that that works out for him. 
it's just it's just so disappointing that he would score that goal against us. I know. Just score yeah. it against one of the other teams he played. Yeah. You know, but it's a real shame. But he had to take that opportunity, and we know how good he is from that range. Oh, he He's is. done that for Ab- us. Absolutely. As I said, he was given the opportunity, and he took it. And that's a sign of a good player. And he did that several times for us. So yes, we wish him well, but we wish it would have started next week. We'll move on from Conor Gallagher. We might return to that in a little bit with uh, JD when he returns. Um, but the, the, the performance as a whole, it felt a little bit kind of stop-start, really, for Palace, which is understandable given the opposition. Chelsea have a, a huge amount of quality, and it really showed when they made the substitutions like they did. That, that really showed as well. It does. Um, but it, it was... It felt like it would have been a good. It would have been a good point if we'd have won it. I felt as it was coming to the end that that we deserved to hang on for a point. I thought we played quite well during the, the second half. Yes, Chelsea were better than us, but they weren't miles better than us. We created some lovely opportunities, and that was that lovely strike. And I'm not even sure who took it that the goalie took. The lovely, beautifully worked. I think was oh, it? No, it? Um, in the first half, there was an they weren't, Yeah, no, I, I can't. I can't remember. It was right in front of me, and I still can't work out who who hit it. Um, unfortunately, I actually missed the first ten minutes because of the traffic, so I missed our goal. Right. So okay. I'm going to look for. Comment on that. One. I can't comment on that one. As I don't know how they played in that first ten to fifteen minutes. I saw the game after that. Yes, in the, in that first half, we were under a lot of pressure, and. We weren't playing badly, but Chelsea weren't allowing us to play. And and the goal that Aubameyang scored, it's an excellent goal. He did it really well the way he, he held off the defender. But you did feel it was coming. And one all at half-time on what I had seen didn't seem an unfair score. Um, but as I said, I thought we'd done enough. And it is really sickening yet again to have another late goal against us I don't know how many it is this year and we've only played seven games seven games uh, it's so. one of it, the, the opportunity you're talking about was Wilfred Zaha I remember yeah. it now it was a really really well worked opportunity um, you're right I think it's it, 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 it is a sickener that we would concede another late goal like that I think it's also just really Frustrating that we've had such a run of difficult matches against really good sides, and I think we've lost all three of them. The, the three defeats we've had have been against the top teams, haven't they? Really? Oh, yes, I, I think. You know, I, I was just looking at the table now, and my mobile has decided to, to go slow just because. But yes, we've lost to the, the top two, Arsenal and Man City, and Chelsea in fifth. So um, yes, we've only lost to, to good teams. And we haven't really been thrashed. I know we lost 4-2 at, at Man City. By God, we did not give them a good first half. So we haven't been disgraced, and we certainly weren't disgraced today. Um, they were better, they, but they weren't better by much. Um, so it, it is tough to have had all those good games. What worries you is when we get the, I say lesser teams, they'll, they'll all still be difficult to play against. Will we keep up the same standard? If we can, I'm quite hopeful that we'll get the points we need yeah. for a decent finish this season but yes the next whatever it is how many games to the to the, the halfway is about another seven or eight what, six weeks so it's probably about seven games, games yeah say. to the halfway uh, point before they all go off to the desert um, 
we've really got to pick up points at that time. And I, but the way we've been playing, I'm hopeful that we will do it. I don't feel I'm not downhearted. The fact we're only just outside the bottom three doesn't worry me at the moment. Yeah. Wayne, as an as an outside observer, what were your thoughts on on the intensity of the football that you saw today? Well, the crowd was intense. Um, very loud and exciting and I could tell they loved their team and the competition was outstanding good teamwork once the VAR check was done I assumed that there was enough cover in the in the uh, you know in the situation that, that if Jordan and I had got away that it wasn't a you know a, a clear scoring opportunity or whatever the uh, whatever the term is that um I, I I would say to you that that I just assumed that in the reference, you know, on review, there were bodies. I've seen a picture that Steve Parrish has tweeted not so long ago where it looks fairly clear that he should be sent off. But I've just watched the goals back quickly before I came on with you, and it, it didn't look so clear from that side that... that um, that it might have been Chilwell or someone on the other side that was coming across. But, I, you know, the, the the steal looks pretty conclusive, but I didn't feel the same watching it quickly on video. But obviously I haven't got the full picture there on screen anyway. But, yeah, my, my immediate reaction was that he'd go off. But I thought, you know, the referee... Sorry, go on, Dom. No, you carry on, Seth. Go on. I'll come back later. Um, I thought the referee was quite inconsistent in a lot of the things that he did during the afternoon in terms of, you know, there were a couple of sort of pullbacks on, on players like shirt pulls when they got away and stuff, or, you know, or, or grabs of a shoulder or whatever it was, that really should be sort of mandatory yellow cards, really. It weren't, or I think Chilwell did one. I think it might have been on Wilf, but, yeah. you know, there was one for sure that I could think. I just, I didn't, I didn't think he was sort of horrendously bad, but just sort of lacked a bit of consistency, really. You know, and it was uh, it, it made it probably all the more frustrating. Um, but you know, there are a lot of things to to sort of pick through in that game. But ultimately, you know, the same the same traits are there with Palace at the moment, and were there last season. And I feel sort of slightly, I don't know whether, you know, I'm being unfair or, you know, the, the, the glass is half full or half empty, really. Because, you know, if you're being practical, we've lost to Manchester City, we've lost to Arsenal and we've lost to Chelsea. So, you know, and the practical me says, well, we should really, you know, that's not, you know, that that that's not an embarrassment or... A, a disaster, but in all honesty, we've been in winning positions in two of those games and ended up losing both of them. And that same feeling that you've had today is that I had so many times last season and a few times this season already that we managed to turn wins into draws and draws into defeats a bit too easily and a bit too often when we shouldn't. That is ten points from winning positions that we've we've given up this season, which is pretty shocking after seven matches. Wow, this season uh, already. 
this season already, 10 points. I mean, you know, that, that includes that winning winning at Manchester City and winning at Anfield and then and then not winning those yeah. matches. But then you've got Brentford, you've got you got today. Um it, yeah, it comes out at, at at 10 points. The just just on that on the VAR, I, actually I agree with you on the inconsistency, and in some ways that is actually connected with that incident because there is there is an inconsistency there and actually worked a bit arguably in Palace's favour with with Chris Kavanagh in as much as I think Chelsea and Thiago Silva in particular were arguing that Jordan Ayew shoulder barged him off the ball and pushed him down in that incident and that foul was not given and then the handball happens. There was an incident earlier in the half where Mark Gay was exactly the same scenario where he was pushed to the ground in a shoulder barge by a Chelsea player and the foul was given against the Chelsea player. So there was an inconsistency within Kavanagh's outlook on those two incidents. However, the actual decision on the handball itself, we're told by the VAR that it's it's been given because, A, he's too far out and he's about five yards inside the... Uh, inside the Chelsea half. There isn't a covering defender, Chelsea. When you actually look at it, no, it's one of those ones where where the, the defender sees what's happening and sees the foul. The game is stopped and he sprints. So he looks as if he's actually a lot further yeah, on yeah, than, he, yeah. than he was. But the, the critical thing, or the, the second reason given for, uh, by the VAR apparently, is he wasn't running towards goal. And the only reason he isn't running towards goal is that Thiago Silva has got his arm outstretched and has pushed the ball towards the corner flag. Yeah. If he hadn't done that, he would have cut infield and he would have been right towards goal. So it makes no sense whatsoever. Right, that is our winners and losers. Uh, thanks very much for listening. If you're on the Patreon feed, we love you loads. Uh, if you're not and you're rejoining us now from here in the post-match pod, uh, you can join our patron at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash F-Y-P podcast uh, to hear post-match pods in full every week, every game, in fact, um, and our winners and losers on the main pod. Uh, but right now, quick break when we come back. Questions. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. If you served in the Vietnam, Gulf War, or post-9-11 eras, you may be eligible for expanded VA benefits. A new law known as the PACT Act provides disability compensation, health care, free toxic exposure screenings, and more to veterans who are exposed to toxins during their military service. You can submit a claim for your PACT Act-related benefits now. Claims received by August 9th, 2023 may be paid back to August 10th, 2022. Visit va.gov PACT to learn more and file your claim. This summer, go to the movies. Projected on the side of a mountain. Discover a new favorite restaurant. Your campsite. Find yourself when you lose your signal. Discover a new playlist. Mother Nature. 
Make your summer special at the Kia Summer Sales Event with a dependable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Event N7523. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Experiences are what people love most about travel. With Viator, you can browse and book tours and activities so incredible you'll want to tell your friends. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures in over 190 countries. There's something for everyone. Download the Viator app now and use Viator 10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Fan Podcast. Sponsored this week by Little Mouse Cheese and Wine in South Norwood. And they're offering 10% off their Christmas cheese pre-orders to FYP listeners. Just go to littlemousecheese.com slash Christmas and use the code FYP before the end of October to get 10% off your Christmas cheese and port. Uh, that link is also in the show notes on your app. Uh, Jack, got any more Palace cheese puns for us? Jose Rockfort. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see the way you're going with that one. It's, yeah, uh, I think Mafeta was better. Oh, it but, definitely was. I started too yeah. big. I went you too start, big. Too you early. went too big. Yeah, you should have. You should. You went until my third one in the in the final part. I can't it, wait. It is a stinker. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, get on get on there Twitter hashtag cpscheese eleven and we'll get some more stinky cheese puns going. Uh, right, question time. We've avoided it, Joe, haven't we? We've avoided mm. what we all know everyone's going to talk about. Uh, Leaf Anderson's forehead. Hello, Leaf. Hey, Leaf. You couldn't make it up. Actually, you could. It's Palace. To be honest, Joe, if you'd ask any of us for our least favourite scenario from the weekend, the one thing we didn't want to happen, it would have been a last-minute Conor Gallagher winner, and it happened. It happened. It was a screamer. It kind of maybe delays any potential... uh... (laughs) How do I say this diplomatically? You know, it keeps Connor enthusiastic about his chances at Chelsea. <laughs> That's how I think about it. <laughs> for just for a little while longer. Yeah. You know, new manager, new start. Um, so, you know, and let's be honest, we do need that kind of presence if it's him or somebody else in January. Um, yeah, I, I'm quietly happy for him. It's out of context. Um, I just wish it wasn't against us, uh, you know. He's a Chelsea fan and has been played out of position by the previous manager. I thought, you know, him and Loftus-Cheek both on the bench on Saturday. I thought, oh, that's a real, how symbolic is that? That, you know, hopefully they've both seen how we play first half and think I should, I could be out there. I should be out there. And lo and behold, they both come on and and Gallagher actually has a, the game changing impact. Uh, yeah, very annoying. And, you know, this Chelsea fans were really straight in with the Conor Gallagher song, which which was I quite cheeky. It, yeah, it was, it was a bit. It was too soon for me. Yeah. What's your thought then, Joe? And I'll ask you this question as well on 
fans that clapped him onto the pitch have to admit I did. I mean, it's it's a heartwarming thing for me. But uh, you know, people online not being happy about that. Clapping him off the pitch. I know he gave Palace fans a little palms up towards the homestead. I personally quite liked that. Now, I fell in love with the guy. Like, obviously, I don't want anyone to score goals against Palace, but this is this is a more uh, this is a more entwined love story in a way, isn't it? And then he gives a very nice post match interview as well, uh, Joe. About oh, I wish it hadn't been Palace. But where where are you on all that? I you know I'm not I I can't remember if I I I can't remember if I clapped him on, but I I definitely. Was I'm not one of those people that's like, don't clap, you know. We've only got one life, you know. We've got to, you know, the, 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 the moment the people that make us happy, they're, they're, they're few and far between, they're fleeting moments. You've got to enjoy it, you've got <laughs> yeah. to show that love back. So, you know, it was gratitude for last year. I've got no problem with that. Um, I'd stormed off by the time he was doing. <laughs> doing that off the way, way sort of putting your hand up going off the pitch so I can't comment on that particularly it's very you know it's as polite as he can be in that situation I just yeah at some point you have to maybe draw a line at that, uh, as a Palace fan and go you don't go it's all right Connor it's okay I think you still go I'll fucking get out of my sight <laughs> you know we'll, we'll, we'll think about this later on Jack you seem like you might have a different opinion it's not for me <laughs> it's not for me he doesn't wear it doesn't wear red and blue um, I, I've got a lot of respect tugged, for him. Your heartstrings weren't tugged out at all, then. No, I, 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 I thought he was very respectful. Um, didn't celebrate, and uh, he didn't celebrate, and he was very respectful as he came off the pitch. And I think it, that's right because we've done a lot of good for that guy's career. Um, but the ovation he got—I mean, a, a, a smattering of polite applause—I get, but it was quite, quite the applause he got when he came on. It was certainly louder than Loftus Cheeks. Um, and I actually just felt, I mean, I don't know whether players can hear it. I, I just felt it could almost be a bit distracting for our own players that one of the opposition players is getting a better ovation than than um, than some of our own. It's not for me personally. Look, I, I get it that some people want to do it, and um, he, he means a lot to Palace fans, and he means a lot to me. I thought he was absolutely wonderful for Palace, and, you know, took great pride um, seeing him get his England debut as a Palace player. Um, gave us some great moments last year. The winner at City, the the two goals against Everton, particularly his second one, um, his goal against Wolves on a on a November day, and one of our best performances last season. You know, he he really meant a lot to us, and I do wish him the best. I I still think there's a chance that uh, a move in the uh, in the future for for Connor back to Palace is is a potential thing. I don't necessarily think he's going to have the impact at at Chelsea, even with Potter. I still think Connor could find himself not getting the minutes that he wants. I think even with Potter in charge, I think it's unlikely that Connor Gallagher will go to the World Cup this this winter and he has massive international ambition. So, you know, just in terms of the clapping point, I, I get it, but it's it's not for me. Um, but perhaps after the game. But uh, in terms of the winner, I think with all of the analytics that football clubs have at their hands now, all of the science that goes behind it, he was put on the pitch because of footballing narrative. That's that's it for me. I think, you know, Graham Potter and his and his staff would have been talking Friday night and they would have said, I don't really care how we get him on, when we get him on, but at some point Connor's going on because the footballing gods are going to dictate that Connor Gallagher's going to have an impact on the game. Could have could have gone into our other way. He could have ended up getting sent off for Chelsea as he did for, for them a few weeks ago by doing something rash. But I just think in those moments when you're in an environment that means a little bit more, and I, I think there is some science involved in this, when you're in a situation that means a bit more, you do irrational things. And despite him having the talent to execute what he did, um, it's perhaps a little against what Chelsea are being trained in to hit the ball from 25 yards into the top corner. If that had gone into the, you know, the, the kind of boxes at the top of the White Horse, 
it would have been an issue for him going into the dressing room. But for him to execute it was great. Um, but I just think that kind of expectation that he was going to do something probably played as much into Graham Potter's decision to put him onto the pitch as any science or any tactical assessment that they made. Great goal. At the time, I thought whether Vicente could do a bit better. I think it's just hit too well for, for the keeper to, to do any more than he did. Um, yeah, there's not much more to say from, from me on it, to be honest. I, it was it was a bit of a gut wrench. It was a bit of a, oh, Connor, come on. But yeah, I think once, bit, point, once bit and twice shy. I once bit and twice shy. Yeah, go on, yeah. go on, Jody. No, go on, go on. I'll say some, some of the... Uh, so going watching the game back on match of the day that evening, I saw for the first time Vieira's reaction. They panned straight to him. Yeah. And he has a face. It's not stone-faced. It's not poker face at all. It, it is that look of, of course. Of yeah. course like yeah, complete yeah. like... We all knew, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. 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 Um, I think it's Schlup as well. When it goes top corner, you meet, like I think it's Schlup that kind of turns around and looks back at him and says, are, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I imagine they must... You know, footballers, their teammates come and go, but it's so recent. And it is, yeah, you know, yeah. someone that made a huge impact on the club last year. I felt I felt like they all must have felt that sinking feeling when yeah. that went in. But yeah, yeah. I, I, following on from the, as, as Jack said there, the goalkeeping, I, I didn't hold anything against Vicente in that situation necessarily. He might have felt like he uh, could have got to it. But, you know, I feel like that particular type of finish, it lends itself to getting away from the keeper essentially yeah. um even i think the everton goal again for palace the the late one pick from very distance. close to that as well yeah. yeah yeah very similar type of finish and it's I, a great I just, technique it's a wonderful yeah, technique yeah. So, just yeah. the um the Vieira reaction um he struck me as a man who's been in a pub or a club when his ex has walked in and he's been remained as stoic as possible. So <laughs> yeah, don't uh, give away anything. Don't, don't give away anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. I mean, he, um, he's had as, imp- as, as big an impact on Conor Gallagher's career as anyone. So yeah, yeah, I'm boy. sure in, in the, in the weirdest of ways that goal, he may have actually felt an element of pride somewhere. He may not well, have felt I it wonder. at the time. He may, I... maybe not at the time, but I'm sure he felt something for Conor because there was a lovely relationship between the two of them last year. Quite, you're absolutely right, and I wonder if you know the, the romantic in me says that the Palace fans' reaction actually some some way down the line plays a part in him actually coming back, and he realised this is the place that he's loved more than at Stamford Bridge. Um, but you know but, what? If 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 you're not for it, Jack, that's totally cool, and it's you know fine for you to admit on air that you have a stone cold heart. It's okay, you can do that. No one, no one, no one cares. Um, right. Actually, on that point, uh, two questions here from Jamie and Steve Cavalli. Hey, Jamie and Steve. Hey, Jamie. Uh, Steve says, when will we learn to see out games? And Jamie says, is conceding is the conceding of late goals a tactically a tactical deficiency under Vieira? We don't seem to have learned from season one under his stewardship. Jack, are you as worried about this? I mean, if you're drawing parallels between dropping points at home in the last few minutes against Chelsea to the dropping points against Brentford, the two goals for me are so different that I don't think you could say tactical deficiency. The goal against Brentford, I thought, was really poorly defended and, and was a goal that we shouldn't be conceding at that, well, any stage of the game, but particularly when you're minutes away from a, a very important win. The goal the other day, it's an absolute wonderful goal. It's a wonder strike. And he, you know, he hits it so quickly. I, I don't know how you can say, I know I talked about Mateta, but even if Mateta had come back and, you know, disrupted it, that's not, you don't train for that. You don't 
train for Jean-Philippe Mateta to karate kick a, uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity away for the for the opponent. So I, I get what they're saying that the, the frequency at which we're conceding, and this goes back to last season, you know, late goals that impact the the points tally is not good. Um, I'm sure it's more of a mental thing than a tactical thing. I, I think we can probably be quite assured that the um, limited chances that we allowed Chelsea to create on Saturday in the second half. I, I didn't really feel Vicente had much work to do, and that was testament to to the organisation of a very kind of uh, ragged back line in terms of who was actually there. Like, you know, let's give a mention to James Tompkins because you know that guy. I don't think has seen a football for for about six months, and his first five minutes on the pitch were. Um, about as rusty as I've ever seen a Premier League footballer. Um, I know Joel Ward gave away the um, the back pass, which was certainly a back pass. No, no issues with that being issued. About the one thing that Chris Cavanagh got right all afternoon. <laughs> but in terms in terms of how that led to it, it was just James Tompkins almost having an allergic reaction to a football. He just didn't <laughs> yeah. know what the hell he was doing. Um, so, but he grew into it. And he did what he does best, and it's one of the sights I love to see the most from any Palace player. It's when James Tompkins becomes a tank and he literally knocks a ball forward and just threatens the opposition with, "I'm coming for it." And if you want to get in my way, get in my way. But he he kind of grew into it, and um, the fact that with him at the you know, the heart of the back line, Joel Ward in a position that he didn't start in, Mark Gay carrying what looked like a bit of a knock that he picked up halfway through the second half. For us to limit Chelsea to speculative efforts, including the one that that, that you know they eventually won the game with, was was good and a positive thing. So I'm not that despondent about the tactical setup, but the mental side of things, you know, the more that we are going to concede late goals that impact where we are in the table and the points tally, the, the tougher the conversations are going to be in the dressing room in the following week. Yeah, Joe, are you are you as concerned about late goals? Yeah, in in this, I'm, I'm with Jack in that it, it becomes a sort of self fulfilling prophecy after a while. Once it becomes a, a noticeable, it becomes a pattern. It becomes a trend once it's observed, and and I feel like that's all it needs to get into footballers' heads. These are extremely superstitious people. They all have their like one sock before they sock, uh, putting a shirt on last before leaving the changing room. Like stuff like. We always can like we always concede in the last ten minutes, or we finish poorly. It kind of you, 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 that becomes a thing just by talking about it, just by thinking about it. So, yeah, I agree that actually, you know, how we played on Saturday in the second half, I was quite pleased with. I thought the it actually made it a bit more old school Palace with Tompkins and and Ward both being quite happy to, you know, dig the trenches and 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 actually keep them at bay really without necessarily offering a quick counter opportunities but um yeah we'll see and you know it's probably not going to be the same back four again on sunday so it's it's hard to gauge whether it's uh, just confidence whether it's just tactical uh i i, I yeah i'd hope that it's we're, we're beginning to see the last of it it's you know i, I don't know it it's if it keeps happening, it really becomes a conversation. Then I think not necessarily about tactics, but maybe re-raising the concern about how Palace adapt to the five subs mm. rule and whether the actual depth that we have, we have numbers, but are they necessarily enough? Or in do they have uh, each a role that makes sense for when we need to close out a game properly? Because it might just be personnel rather than necessarily tactics. I don't think we're the only club that's struggling with the. Um, ability to make more substitutions, yeah, but I do I think it's that. a bit of an issue. Yeah, uh, if you watch football over, you know, this weekend was actually one of the first weekends where I've actually, I've actually watched a, a fair few games over the weekend, and and even from the luxury of Pep Guardiola making four subs at once, he doesn't need to make those subs. Mm. 
But the subs at the game, there, there are subs that are being made at the time of the game that you're used to those subs making an impact and they're actually not making the impact because perhaps they're the subs that the manager expects to make more of an impact are being held off for another five, six, seven minutes. It's, it's peculiar. I think everyone's getting used to that. Um, and, you know, the novelty of it happening in the European Championships or during Operation Restart is kind of treated exactly as that, as a novelty. But to see it as kind of business as usual is is a peculiar thing. And I, I don't think many managers have mastered it. I don't, I, I, I don't think any manager is particularly comfortable with it, even if some of the managers desired it. Mm. Yeah. Especially half, half the team. Yeah it's, yeah. it's mad. It's mad turnover. So yeah, and I think it will it, take isn't time. It, you can make five subs, but only three times. Is yeah. Right? So that, yeah. And there's, you know, the Joe's just touched on there, half the subs, but if you've got two players bedding into the team at one point, or possibly yeah. even three, you've only got to look at what happened to city after they made four subs on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah you know, it was really, really ineffective. And I think that was part of the aim from Guardiola. It was, it was more of a damage limitation of get the best players off. Um, other than Haaland, <laughs> obviously fancy Haaland to go. It's just plugging back in after the game. You know, exactly. It's all good, so. exactly. We wire him. we be fine. Yeah. Um, right. Okay, cool. Uh, thank you very much for those questions uh, uh, to our listeners. Um, I think we'll take a quick break and preview a game, Jack. Imagine that, uh, which is Leeds at home this Sunday. I'm excited. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best, Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. 
Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, let's get this cavity filled. Uh, doctor, I think your tank is leaking laughing gas. Gas? <laughs> Did you hear you can save on gas at BJ's Wholesale Club? Wait, you can save on gas at BJ's? <laughs> yeah, members save on everyday low gas prices. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> nope, these savings are no joke. <laughs> BJ's, absurdly simple savings. Shop today. Not a member? Go to BJ's.com slash simple savings. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Whee. Part four. Sponsored. Oh, Joe, Joe is waning. Joe is waning. <laughs> so this is, it's the first full game back, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it feels it's like it's pre-season. So it's been just, a month. Been a month. Yeah, we haven't got five subs, unfortunately, either. <laughs> um, we are sponsored this week by Little Mouse Cheese and Wine in South Norwood, who are offering 10% off their Christmas cheese pre-orders to FYP listeners. Just go to littlemousecheese.com slash Christmas and use the code FYP before the end of October to get 10% off your Christmas cheese and port. And the link is in the show notes. Now, final Palace cheese pun. Jack, you have the honours. Oh, I mean, the listener is not going to enjoy this one. Kafili Alexander. I mean, it's absolutely oh, rotten. Oh. Um, I, don't, I don't mind it. I like it. I, I quite like it. Nah, sorry, uh, guys. Sorry. Uh, how Go about job. 90s left back Dean Gorgonzola? <laughs> yes. 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 I'll allow that. The <laughs> shame on his face as he said it. Yes. Wonderful. Like job is an audio, audio only. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Check, get, get us on Twitter at FYP Fanzine and use the hashtag CPFC Cheese 11 and we'll get some more cheese puns going this week. Uh, right, Leeds at home on sun, uh, Sunday, 2 p.m. kickoff at Sellers Park, two home games in a row. Jack, I'm going to dive straight in with a question here from CPFC Finn. Hey, CPFC Hello, Finn. Finn. It's a big question for you and it simply says, is Leeds a must win on Sunday? No, it's not. Because I don't want to say that because I think it just ups the, <laughs> ups the pressure. I think, I, I, I do correct me, and so anyone come back on me if I didn't say this, but I think I said before, or perhaps after the Newcastle game, when we were due to play United and then Brighton and then Chelsea, I feared that we were going to have a difficult run of results and that we were going to be about where we are now in the table. We are where we are on the table, but that's without playing two games against Brighton and United. So it's, it's not fair to say that this is a true reflection of of where we belong in the in the league. Was I watching Leicester Forest last night in the hope that Leicester would beat Forest so we didn't drop into the bottom three? Yes, because I do hate the narrative of, oh, you know, the pressure's building on Vieira when everyone knows that it's not and it shouldn't be. I think it's it's must win in the sense of if we don't want any pressure to build, then yes, of course, it's must win. And, and, and a win would take us far enough away from the bottom three for those conversations to remain for another day. However, if we don't take the three points on, on Sunday, it's by no means crisis point. And, and that, that's the balance I think I have to remind myself of. Throw on top of it, Leeds are crap. I don't think Leeds are very good at all. I think they've got a bombastic manager who's actually probably carrying a lot of the perceived 
aura about this team because he's so crazy on the touchline that people presume there's a lot going on at Leeds. If you actually kind of watch their performances, I haven't really seen much from Leeds that makes me think they're going to finish much higher than they did last season. I think they've recruited relatively well. I like some of the signings. Aronson's good. Tyler Adams is is decent in the in the middle and, and the lad from Bayern Munich, Rocker, is is good. These are good players they've added, but I don't think they're playing in a system that's that's any more effective. Uh, uh, pa- Patrick Bamford came back on, on Sunday and, and gives them something a bit different up top. But I'm hoping the uh, the curse that he experienced at Selhurst in his first spell with us means that if he does enter the pitch on Sunday, he just his legs will fall off or something. I don't know. But um, it's must win in the sense that I've outlined on top of the fact that we should be beating Leeds at home. Yeah, quite right. I think, Joe, they'll be without arguably their best player, Sinistera. Sinistiera, I've got oh, that right, who got yes, sent yeah. off at the weekend, who has That's been a, absolutely superb for them. That is a stupid um, red card, if you ever so see a stupid well, red card. Well, yes, quite. Maybe maybe he wants Palace to win, who knows. Um, <laughs> but do you think, what do you think about this sort of must-win tag? I, I feel like it's not too dissimilar to the start of last season, where quite a tough start in terms of the teams that we're playing, uh, but then it just creates this window of, quote-unquote, winnable games, mm-hmm. that if you don't, if you kind of mentally you know, keep your resolve by going, but don't worry, those games are coming. And then you, what happens last season happens where actually we don't, they're the results we didn't take. We ended up actually, I think that run of playing teams like Leeds, losing up there, yeah. uh, drawing at Burnley. Suddenly you're going, well, we, maybe we are in a bad run. And actually, yeah, we're at risk of that again. I think the excuses are ready for us. I think, um, you know, there's, there's a selection issues, certainly in defense, potentially this weekend. Um, and, you know, we haven't played for a month. You know, at least every other team had a, a game in between, I believe. Uh, yeah. You know, but there's very little margin for error, I think, this season. And it'll be difficult not... I, I'm sure there'll be some disquiet if we lose or don't get a, a win even. But, yeah, it, it's not necessarily an indication of real trouble. But, yeah, I would very much feel more comfortable if we got that over the line and can look ahead with... a optimism again it doesn't feel that long ago that we were doing that but I, I, yeah i like to get back in that mode it's, uh, it's five or six weeks since we beat villa 3-1 and everyone's talking about dust off your yeah. passport so yeah, yeah you know we've only played three league games since then so yeah. you, you've got to take the 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 smooth with the rough when it does come and, and the rough most recently is losing at home to chelsea who are going to be challenging for the top four this season so yeah i i I'm looking forward to it. I'm, you know, if it was really must win, I would be dreading Sunday, but I'm not. I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. Um, Joe touched on the defence then. I'd love it if Joe was fit because what Saturday, and we haven't talked about him yet, but what Saturday highlighted to to me is that he, I think in terms of how we play and and the, the pace at which we play and, and the areas of the pitch where we, where we like to play, he's about as influential as it gets for us. Yeah. Without him on the pitch, we haven't got anyone. And it's not fair to ask Joe Ward to spray the passes that, that Joe does. You know, that... That guy is right at the top of, of Premier League centre-back so far in the games that he's played this season. And it was a real shame to see him absent on Saturday because I think we are a, a better team and a, a better challenge for other teams when he's playing for us, both at, at both ends of the pitch. But um, I'm hoping he's back. Again, a bit quiet in terms of that injury. He was kind of shown, shown on the socials of arriving back from international duty without any indication that anything was wrong and then nothing mentioned in the press conferences and then, you know, he's not featuring on Saturday. So... He was he was in the ground. He was myself and JD are in the same block right. in the main stand, and he was seen walking through at half time. Okay. 
Certainly not with any kind of off the scene, Chris uh, Cavanagh. Yeah, 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 perhaps. <laughs> but yeah, not not with any protective equipment or certainly any kind of uh, assistance needed. So hard to gauge uh, the extent of his injury. I guess the same goes with Chris Richards because I feel like he didn't even play the internationals, did he? I think no, he he, he didn't travel. He didn't travel, yeah. and he looked well enough at the NFL on Sunday. So I'm hoping he's ah. he's relatively comfortable. I think maybe maybe the issue with with Joe and, and Joe touched on it earlier is the degree of fixture congestion between now and when the season stops for the, for the World Cup. Maybe the coaching staff have just taken the decision to to drop him out of that game, give him a prolonged rest from what was quite a heavy international duty for him with, with Denmark playing France, um, and and maybe give him that time to to get fit for Leeds and then um, the games that we've got afterwards. And, and that would be ideal. If he's, if he's ready to go for the rest of October... I don't think we can have any complaints about the management of that situation. Yeah, I agree. I think there's some quotes from Vieira flying around that seem to hint that it's not too bad and he might yeah. be back on Sunday. So yeah, it would be a big inclusion in the squad uh, indeed. Um, and we'll see what happens. So we'll be back next week, of course, with another episode to review that Leeds game and the patrons will get a post-match pod, of course, on Sunday after that game. Uh, but that's it for this week. Joe, thanks for uh, being back on the pod. No, of course. Thanks for having me on as always. And um, just quickly, I thought I'd give it a mention. Um, before the Leeds game on Sunday, I believe the morning edition of Match of the Day on Sunday, if not Match of the Day 2, features two of our own. It features Grace Matheson and it features myself talking about Palace. That was meant to happen the weekend of the Man United game. It's pushed back because obviously that game didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, something to keep an eye on. There's going to be a, a, a Palace feature on, on that weekend coverage. So I thought I'd mention that and salute Grace. So I think put myself and a few other names forward as well. Brilliant uh, stuff. For that feature. FYP taking over the Beeb. So there check it are. out. I'm, if you've missed it, you can probably catch it on iPlayer, I'd imagine, as well. And, and for, for others, um, for those of you that watch Strictly Come Dancing, James Endicott will be making an appearance this Saturday. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> if only. If only. <laughs> Clean sweep. He'd win He'd win it hands down. Imagine. <laughs> they, would, they wouldn't even bother. Oh, that'd be fun. I have seen him dancing the tiles of St. Leonard in recent months, so it's possible, you know. Practicing for next year. Perhaps for next year, perhaps, yeah. Who knows? Uh, Jack, good to have you on, mate. Thanks, JD. Yeah, very uh, cathartic to talk through the Chris Kavanagh grievances I have, so thank you. And who's next week's ref, just to get you ahead of uh, Paul Tierney. There Paul we go. Tierney, yeah. Okay. Oh, boy. I've we got a pre-meet with him. I've got a pre-meet <laughs> with him before the game. Yeah. yeah. Iron out the message. Iron out. Lay down my expectations of his yeah, performance. Totally yeah, totally fair. Totally fair. Uh, thanks, lads. Really appreciate it. And uh, we're back next week uh, with another pod. Until then, stay safe, everybody. Take care of yourselves. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Bye. Podcast Network.